Faith, without the testing of it, is simply theoretical. It's when we face moments in our lives that stretch us, that take us beyond our comfort, that get us out of our mundane daily routines. It's then that our faith is often put to the test. When we have to face things in life that seem unfair, when we have situations that surround us, that feel like everything is crashing down on us. It is in those moments that we find ourselves in a place of decision, a place where our faith finds an adversary. So how do we react whenever our faith comes against an opponent that we did not see coming? You are listening to Beyond the Walls podcast with writer and speaker Ben James. And we're back. Welcome to Beyond the Walls podcast. My name is Ben James. I'm your host. We are beginning with our first episode in a series that we're calling Faith Verses, where we are taking a look at things that happen to us in our lives, things that we run into and that we encounter that oftentimes test our faith in God, test our faith in Jesus, and ultimately just test our faith in what we have built our values and our foundations upon. So today we are taking a look at faith versus loss. How do we balance and how do we reconcile the faith that we have in and through God when we face moments of loss that are unexpected that are undeserved, and are just downright painful. So today, the first on Beyond the Walls is our first interview. Inside the studio here at Beyond the Walls, we have Tammy Nashawn, writer, speaker, author, and just all-around great gal here with us today. And I have asked her to come and share her heart with us. So, Tammy, first off, thank you for being willing to do this. Good to Uh, be here. Thank you. No, it is not easy to be uh, here talking about this, but uh, I'm I'm very, very thankful that you're here with us. Thanks for asking me. So, Tammy, if you would, I want to let you take a few moments and just let our listeners know a little bit about your story, about why you're here today talking to us about faith versus loss. Well... I am um, a mom who has adult children now, but has had a life that probably was a lot different than I ever would have um, imagined for me and my husband. Um, I grew up for the most part in church and uh, went to Bible college, met my husband there, and we started our family and were working in full-time ministry and had two sons that were four and two at the time that we had our daughter. When Adrian was six and a half weeks old um, and perfectly healthy, we woke up on my husband's birthday to find that she had stopped breathing in the night and um, had died of SIDS. The journey for the next few years uh, was incredibly hard. I dealt with a lot of depression. Uh, We had two more boys and I had a lot of postpartum depression. But we, we kept pushing forward. I kept thinking, 
that I wanted to see Adrian again. So I wanted to, I wanted to keep that relationship with God um, good. And that's kind of, I think, was my goal at that time. Uh, we ended up adopting a little girl from India and things kind of smoothed out and we were really busy with four boys and a little girl and I think I had found some sort of peace uh, when our youngest son started complaining of headaches that were um, not really explained by anything and I started having this very like unsettled feeling that something was really wrong and after a couple months um, he seemed to be getting a lot worse and uh, we found out that he had a brain tumor and so he was seven at the time, um, and I just remember thinking that I, I, didn't, I couldn't walk this road again. I was just I was begging God to please not take us down um, this road. But we, for the next six and a half years, there was a little break in there where Nick was in remission and things were great. But uh, we spent a lot of time in and out of the hospital with Nick with surgeries, treatments, and... Um, when Nick was 13, he lost his fight with cancer, and um, we were put back on that road again. And so now it's been almost eight years, and we still deal with a lot. Yeah, yeah. So for the listeners who may not be familiar with SIDS, that is Sudden, sudden Infant, Infant Death, Death Syndrome. Syndrome. Yes. And if it's too difficult to talk about, I understand, but what... What is what what is sudden infant death syndrome? Well, you know, I had always since I was a mom when we had our first son, that was just something I always did was check to make sure my kids were breathing. It was even that very morning what I had said to my husband as he was getting up to get ready to go to work was just can you check on Adrian and make sure she's breathing? It was just kind of something that I I never really thought about the power of those words until that morning um, when she wasn't breathing and basically from reading and doing a lot more research of course after the fact um there's a lot there's been a lot of research that's come out since adrian died about not sleeping on their stomach not having too many blankets in the crib um things that at that time i i didn't know about um and so i've dealt with a lot of guilt even about the fact that she was sleeping on her stomach and wondering you know what part uh, we could have played in preventing it but there is a lot of uh, research out there also that shows that possibly there's a birth defect in um, the lower uh, part of their skull at the top of their spine. Um, I've read some on that, and I, I, I guess as a mom, I want to believe that maybe there was something that was out of my hands that I right. couldn't have changed. Um, but basically, an infant will stop breathing, and they don't have the ability to breathe again. And so um, that's okay. basically what sudden infant death is. Okay. You uh, you also mentioned um, being able to adopt a little girl yes. from India, um, one that's very near and dear to my heart, yes. uh, Miss Olivia. Would you mind unpacking a little bit and telling us a little bit about that story, how that came mm-hmm. about? So after Adrian died, I was 26 at the time, and um, I think there was something inside of me, especially as we had um, our third son, Todd, and then Nick, that just had this unsettled feeling of losing our only little girl and also just wondering why I kept asking why would God give us this little girl for six and a half weeks and then take her away what what was Adrian here for and we just started having this feeling that maybe it was to lead us to into adoption 
And so we had friends that um, we had done some forwarding agent work with in India. So we were already kind of passionate about the country of India and aware that there were so many little girls over there in need of homes. Um, So we started praying about it. And about a year after that, we decided to start the research and looking into it. Um, As it turns out, when we started praying about it, was it was the same month that Olivia was actually born and um, actually abandoned when she was about three days old. Um, she was dropped from a bridge in a little village in southern India, and um, a policeman found her. Her head was split open from the front to the back, and he took her to the hospital where she stayed for six weeks, which I find kind of significant because Adrian was six yeah. weeks old. And then she was placed in an orphanage. We started our paperwork at the same time she was born, but we didn't know about her until she was one year old. And that's when we received uh, her picture and decided that um, that was the little girl that God had chosen for us. And so it took about eight more months in India paperwork before my husband was actually able to go and get her. But um, so she was 19 months old when we actually brought her into our home. But she's been a blessing in lots of different ways with yeah, our grief. Yeah. And just finished her first year of college. Yes. Freshman year of college. Yes. That's amazing. Now, the unfortunate part, if my understanding is correct, is that this, even still to this day, what happened to Olivia mm. is not that rare of an occurrence. It's, no. it's a somewhat common occurrence yes. and in India. If anybody is interested in understanding it more there's a great documentary on netflix um, entitled it's a girl those are the three most dangerous words in india or china and um it is a very difficult uh, documentary to watch but it's very very moving and telling about what's going on around the world and how we can step up and make a difference okay we'll put a uh, link to that in our show notes whenever uh, whenever this episode is released that's beyondthewallspodcast.com. Just go to the show notes, click on that, scroll down until you see this it's episode, cool. and it will be, uh, you will have the, we'll put the link up there in the show awesome. notes. So with Nick, um, how old, you, you probably alluded to it, uh, but how old was he again when he was first diagnosed? Nick was seven when we found out about his first um, brain tumor. Um, you know, at first I thought maybe it was from doing he loved to do flips on the trampoline and and I I I thought it was things like that that maybe he was just pushing himself too hard um but it just it got to where it was just too often that he was saying it and I actually was at a Sunday school picnic out at Grayson Lake one day and he didn't feel like going he had stayed at the house I think my mom was visiting and I actually said out loud to my friend's that I was afraid he had a brain tumor and they just gasped and said, Tammy, but I just, I had this feeling something was really wrong. Um, and I don't know if God had sort of slipped that into my mind just to help with the shock of it, because when we did actually find out, um, I, I just felt like my whole world had just been turned upside down. I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Can't even imagine. So there was, there was a period of time there where he had gone into remission mm-hmm. Um, how long was that? How long did that last? His first journey there was only about six months long where we went through surgery and all the treatments. But then it was about four years that Nick played football and basketball with um, his school. 
and was doing great. We had to go for MRIs at first once every month, then it spread out to once every six months, and we finally got to an annual MRI, and I really felt that he had beat it. And um, so I remember the August uh, when he was 11 that he said he had a headache, and I just remember that feeling of, oh, no. And um, it was about three weeks before his annual MRI, and I took him and Todd for their school eye exams. And um, a friend of ours is our eye doctor. And um, so I had actually even dropped them off and went to run a couple errands. And when I got back, our optometrist was waiting for me out in the lobby. And his lip was quivering. And he just said, uh, when's the last time Nick had an MRI? And I knew. Um, he said his optic nerve is is really swollen. I feel like he needs to go. And he had to literally take me in a back room at his um, office. And I've never hit anyone in my life. I could not stop punching our eye doctor in the chest. I was hysterical. And our boys were out in the front just standing. They had no idea what was going on, but he had to take my cell phone away from me and call my husband because I was, I was out of control. I've, I've never felt like that in my whole life. But he called my husband. My husband immediately came, picked up Nick, went straight to the emergency room. And I somehow drove with Todd, and I was bawling and hitting the steering wheel, but straight to our church, and went in and just collapsed in our youth minister's office. And um, I I just didn't even know how we were going to make it. Okay. Now, during this this second battle Mm -hmm. that he had, I know that there were several occasions where the church the elders of the church Mm -hmm. the church as a whole people Mm -hmm. uh, came and prayed i know that actually uh, the church that i was a pastor at at the time actually had a team of of folks to come out and and pray and 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 for those of you who may not know i am now basically the associate pastor Mm -hmm. at the at the church that tammy and her family attend Mm -hmm. but at the time we we were at different churches Mm -hmm. um and, and and I'm going to ask you this for one of the questions a little bit later mm-hmm. in this in this session. What 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 were your feelings towards the the prayer that was taking place? Was there was there an, an optimism, a cautious optimism, or more of a wait and see? To, All of the above. Maybe? To be honest, I never doubted that God was going to heal Nick. I believed with every inch in me that if we had enough people praying, enough people fasting, I mean, we did a Joshua walk where people walked around KCU seven times and sang. I mean, I think I was afraid that if I didn't believe, then the prayer would not be answered. And um, at one point um, in Nick's journey, uh, my mom was driving back Uh, from her house on the interstate to ours and we had been taking pictures of everybody with their thumbs up just kind of giving a real positive outlook at the hospital and anywhere we went and so the thumbs up had become really a special thing to us well my mom was driving on the interstate and looked up and there was a cloud that was a perfect hand Hmm. with a thumb up you could see the thumbnail and everything well she managed to get down into her purse while she was driving and snap a picture um she she was upset because she didn't get the whole she just got the thumb and like the first two fingers and she said it 
one point she could see the whole hand and I told her I saw enough. I that was my that cloud was my sign that I thought God was telling me just to be strong that right. Nick was going to be right. healed. Um and so we I had a at the time I was sending out emails to thousands of people and then that's what turned into my blog was just it made it easier for me to send out um progress reports. But um, I started getting pictures from all over the world of groups of kids with their thumbs up from India and Haiti and Africa. Um, Christian schools were sending pictures of all their kids with their thumbs up. So when Nick died, I remember feeling like it like God had played a really cruel joke on me. Mm. Like I had claimed this cloud as a gift from him to keep us going. And somehow he had almost just like a rug had been pulled out. Yes. From under. Yes. And so, um, it's, so here's what happened. We, after he died, I really, I really knew Nick's story was more than what it had been. And so I really wanted to start a foundation. And so as we were working on that, we were trying to decide on the logo. And I, I told my husband, I'm like, I, I feel like the thumb has to be in it. There has to be a reason. So we used the thumbs up, even though I was really, really hurt and angry. Um, but this is, this is where I think God really showed up. Um, again, we had the opportunity about six months after Nick passed away to go to India and actually visit an orphanage for disabled children that um, our foundation helps. Mm-hmm. It's Mid-India Christian Mission. Um, the very first day that we were in India, my husband bought something and he said, you're not going to believe this, Tammy. Look at this. And I walked over and he had gotten some change and one of the coins was a rupee, which is worth two cents in India. But on the coin was all that was on it was a hand with a thumbs up. And if you've ever seen money from India, most of it is gods, elephants, monkeys, just temples. It was, it was, yes, Hindu Hindu things, but it was a, it was just a hand with a thumbs up. And I, I couldn't believe it. I felt like God was saying, you're supposed to be in India. So we went through our whole trip and we would show the coin to people and they had never seen it before. And so my husband actually had to go to a bank in India and get about 300 of them because it was a brand newly released coin. Hmm. And he he brought about 300 of them home. So I have given them out to people from time to time. But anyway, after we got back to America, I was just so curious why in the world did they have this coin. So I was sitting in our kitchen on the computer doing a Google search trying to find rupee thumbs up coin and on my computer popped up something that i i dream someday that i'll get to see this in real life but there is a mountain i did not know this in india that actually is called thumbs up mountain it's a huge tall mountain that at the top has a rock that looks just like a hand with a thumbs up and as i saw it i started crying because the summer before Nick died, my Sunday school class was doing Beth Moore's study on the Psalm of Ascent, Psalms of Ascent, and we had to memorize Psalm 121, which says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens, the cloud, and the earth, the mountain. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in that moment, God said, Tammy, the cloud was for you and the mountain is for you. And I'm, I made them both. Wow. 
So I, I was with you through the cancer. I'm going to be with you through the grief. And I finally um, am thankful for the thumbs up again. Yeah. Even though it was not an easy thing to, right. to right. go. Okay. Well, now that, that you've shared your story and in, in this portion of your journey mm -hmm. with us, um, I just want to ask you a few questions mm -hmm. in regard to it. Um, number one, how would you describe your faith and your relationship with God before all of this started? Before okay. Adrian, before Nick, mm -hmm. before all of this? What? How would you describe your relationship and your faith mm -hmm. in God before this? I think that before Adrian died, I... I mean, I definitely believed um, in God. I believed in Jesus and the resurrection. Um, and I wanted I wanted to raise my kids to believe that too. But I didn't necessarily lean on God. I believed, but I didn't necessarily lean on him to get through every single day. Um, I didn't. I always felt guilty because I wasn't really having quiet time like I regularly reading the Bible on my own. I mean, we went to church three times a week and took our kids to everything that was offered for youth. Um, but to say it was part of my daily conversation, um, a passion that God was a part of morning, noon, and night, no. It was just that I was a Christian and I believed. Okay. Um, during the process of both of these, of, mm -hmm. of having to process through both of these, um, this may be, I don't even know if it's a laughable question, mm -hmm. but what what ranges of emotion <laughs> did you feel? After Adrian died, this was before cell phones. Um, this is when you wrote letters. <laughs> I wrote my mom and dad a letter, and I said, I was trying to do everything right. I feel like God doesn't love me. Mm. And I remember my dad wrote back, and I'm sure that for them this was just, you know, doubly worse because they were sad, but they were also worried about me. Um, but my dad said, our relationship with God is not about how we feel, but about what we know. And we can't base our faith on feelings. Wow. And I think... For me, that was the first time I'd really, really thought about the difference between feeling something and knowing something. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, my depression uh, was not good. Um, I can remember someone telling me that St. John's Wort would help me, and I drove to the mall by myself um, one day and just bought liquid St. John's Wort and went out uh, – into the parking lot and just started putting droppers under my tongue and crying and thinking this is what it feels like to have a nervous breakdown. I, I, I don't even know where my kids were. I guess they were home with my husband, but I, I was probably 27 at the time. Um, but I couldn't get a grip on life. Um, things got better, but I think what I did after Adrian died was I got busier. I just poured myself into everything I could pour myself into because I didn't want to be that sad mom that no one wanted to see coming um, to play things or to do things. Um, I had I had a lot of anger, too, and I got my feelings hurt a lot by people's words um, who didn't mean to hurt me but who didn't know what to say. 
But when Nick got sick, I had gotten to a place where I was starting to read more, more books, um, spiritual growth books. And so I was starting to understand what it means to really, really lean on God. Um, and I was in a lot more deeper Bible studies. And so I think I was, uh, at a better place spiritually. Um, and to be honest, I knew the world was probably expecting me to be strong. And so I think I was, part of me was trying to be strong. So for the world, cause I didn't want anybody to be disappointed in us or in God, but there were many, many times when I was up through the night crying and I remember hanging scriptures all through our house because I, I couldn't pray and I wanted our house surrounded with God's word. And I, I hung them on cupboards and mirrors and doors. And sometimes I would just walk through the house in the middle of the night and read them out loud and cry. Um, but after Nick died, I can remember about three weeks after he died, I was laying in bed and I was so mad that I, my husband was snoring. And of course I was not just mad at God. I was mad at him for being able to sleep (laughs) when I was so upset. And so I remember thinking I wanted to just start punching him. I mean, I was just, I, I couldn't even hardly contain myself. Mm. And so I'm laying there in the dark and I hope this doesn't sound crazy, but out loud, I just heard this soft male voice say, Tammy and I thought it was my husband and I just remember going what well the next thing I heard was snoring he wasn't even awake and then I just heard Tammy one more time and I just remember laying there in the dark and thinking I feel like I just heard God say my name and I just felt like he was saying you've got to get a grip and the next thing I knew I fell asleep and honestly I don't know. All I know is I I was overwhelmed with a peace yeah. of just knowing he knew my name. Mm. And wow. that that was a moment for me that yeah. I'll never, ever forget. I sometimes wish I would have said what to him. Because <laughs> I think, what if he was wanting to tell me more? But I don't think he was. I think he was just trying to say, I'm with you in the dark. I've got this. Yeah, yeah that, that brings to mind whenever, after Jesus resurrected, he told uh, told Mary, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Mm-hmm. I think that there's power whenever just simply that we hear God utter our names. He knows our name. Right. right. He that's knows just, our name. That's powerful. I love that. Um, okay, so was there ever a time, maybe at the peak, and I'm going to air quote peak, mm-hmm. uh, of your grief, that you ever questioned the existence of God? Hmm. I don't believe that there was ever a time when I wondered if God was real. Um, But I think there was a time when I wondered why God would allow this. Although, I will say this, a book that I was reading when we found out about Nick's first brain tumor, it's actually by Jill Briscoe. It's called Eight, Eight Questions Every Woman Should Ask. or I, I can't remember the name of it. Anyways, by Jill Briscoe. But I was in a chapter where 
as Nick was in the hospital that first time and we were waiting for his brain surgery where she said that we should never say why me but we should say why not me and I remember sitting there next to Nick's hospital bed and reading that question why not me and then walking down the hall of the neurosurgeon neuro floor Mm -hmm. um, and uh, every room had a child in it that was dealing with some type of a brain tumor, brain cancer, something. And seeing mom and dad after mom and dad that looked so sad and so broken. And I remember thinking, if it's happening to them, why why do I feel like it shouldn't be happening to me? Wow. And it really did change my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is, it's easy to think that it's it shouldn't happen to us. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's happening. Right. Now, do I understand it totally? Why? No. I, I I could pretend to act like I do. I mean, you know, we always hear these cliche things. God works for good in all things. And, um, uh, you know, that blessed are those who face many trials. And Well, and even that God's in control. Uh, yeah, I mean. Yes. Yes. While, while true, I mean, what? Right. What does that mean? What does that what mean? Does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. Um, it's funny now. I mean, sometimes I'll read, you know, people will put a praise on social media about an answered prayer. And I find myself um, thinking, well, would you not be just as happy if you didn't get the answer? And yet I know looking back that I did the very same thing when mm-hmm. Nick was sick and we did have an answer to prayer. Of right. course, you're going to praise God. Sure. But I think I've finally, finally learned that even though I don't want to, we have to praise him. All the time. And that song, Praise Him in the Storm, yeah. one of my favorites. Casting Crowns, mm. great song. Um, uh, you, you've already kind of articulated answer in part to my next question, uh, but I'm going to ask it anyhow because there's, there's multiple layers to it. Did you ever experience mom- moments of anger during these times? And if so, was there a point? where the anger switched to acceptance or peace? And if so, can you describe that moment to us? Mm. I think a lot of times my anger didn't necessarily come out towards God. I think there were times when I, I probably took my anger out on my kids and didn't even realize why, what I was doing or saying or where it was coming from definitely times where I took my anger out of my husband um, when in truth he hadn't done anything wrong um, I've told people many times that I remember feeling like and this is something I've never I never was able to do as a mom but I know that there's a lot of great parents who put their children in their crib and they let them cry themselves to sleep. That yeah. was something I never really could do. And after Adrian died, I definitely just never could do it again. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it if you know they're safe. I'm just saying it was something I struggled with. But I remember feeling like a baby that God had placed in a crib and had said, you're safe. I love you, but I'm not going to pick you up. You've got to settle down. And I, and I remember feeling like he meant it (laughs) and that I, that he was, I knew he was there, but he was not going to pick me up. He was waiting for me 
to get a grip. Hmm. And um, I've gone a lot of different directions looking uh, for a grip. And um, writing for me is probably <laughs> one way that I uh, am able to find peace a lot of times because yeah. I'm able to just get all the stuff throwing around, going around in my mind out on paper. And I, you know, that's one thing I would say to anybody who's listening, who is dealing with loss is you're not going to really be able to process what's going on inside of you until you read it. Um, for me to go to be able to put it out on paper and then later to pick it up, I can actually see what I was thinking and where it took me. And a lot of times God seems to take over the pen and yeah. actually let you talk to yourself and with words you didn't even know thoughts you didn't even know you had um there's a verse i think it's revelation 12 11, that says that we will overcome by the power of the blood and the word of our testimony mm-hmm. and um i know we do a ministry jail ministry um, with our church and i tell the girls in jail um so many times that we all have the power of the blood. That was a gift. Uh, Jesus died for all of us. So that part of overcoming has been done for us. But that verse says we need two things. It doesn't say ain't or. Right. It says the power of the blood and the word of our testimony. That's a good point. And so I always tell the girls in jail, even now in jail, share your story with other inmates, how God is helping you. Because for me, You know, there's another verse, um, and I believe it's in Psalm 126, but it says, those who sow in tears will reap songs of joy. And I like to think, like I picture my grandpa who was a farmer throwing seed. um, And I think of how when we share the word with other people, we're sharing the seed. And um, if I can continue to do that, even when I'm crying, God fills me back up with something that I I know is not from this earth. I have felt guilty before for being able to laugh again. Mm-hmm. For I never thought that I could live. And I, I remember praying that to God. I can't do this. I can't live without Nick. And I felt, sometimes feel guilty that I do and mm-hmm. am. And yet God keeps showing up um, and reminding me that Nick's cheering me on. And I'm going to see him and Adrian again one day. And that I am not the only person who's grieving the loss of a child. And being able to comfort others has actually strengthened me. I read recently about an old tale of, um, it was actually with Buddha, believe it or not, but that Buddha had, there was a woman who had lost a child and Buddha said, go door to door in your village until you find a home where there has been no suffering and bring me back a mustard seed from that home. And so the woman went on a journey, and when she came back, she still didn't have one because she couldn't find a home without Without suffering. suffering. Yeah. And so in life, I think this is true. We either have suffered or we are suffering or we will. Mm -hmm. And um, that's scary because I know that means I'm not exempt from future pain. And sometimes that can even be something I deal with is a lot of um, post-traumatic stress Mm -hmm. of what's going to happen next. I generally think 
the worst. <laughs> and I have to really work on that. If I can't reach one of my kids, it's immediately I am on the news. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm envisioning the worst case scenario. And I know it's not healthy. I have to really... The, there's a verse that says, take every thought captive right. and make it obedient to Christ. And I have to do that daily hmm. or my mind would be all over the place. Yeah. Um, when, you know, you know a little bit of my history, mm-hmm. uh, but some of the listeners do not. Mm-hmm. I, um, I lost a sister yes. to cancer. Yes. Also, she was diagnosed at six, mm-hmm. passed away at seven, mm-hmm. year and a half later. My father passes away mm-hmm. of a ma- you know massive heart attack at the age of forty four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and insert this here. Um, I, I know that you serve as a role model and a hero to many um, because of who you are. Because I know that because my mother is still my hero mm. to this day. Because I cannot imagine. Yeah, I cannot imagine losing a child. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. But then having another extremely significant loss and being able to raise a teenage son mm-hmm. um, so you know just just know that there are people more than you know who view you that that exact same way one of the things that i've seen over the years in particular right after uh, both of these losses happen mm-hmm. my mother struggle with me to a very minimal degree but her quite a bit um was do you ever struggle with seeing other people have what you lost and then maybe when they take it for granted do, do, does the does that type of struggle mm-hmm. do you do you still face that you know after adrian died and i started reading about sids um and learning some of the things that could increase the chances one of them was smoking while you're pregnant and i remember I would. I felt like I saw so many women that were doing that, and I. I just wanted to scream. You know, how can you be doing that? Uh, so, yes, that I can totally remember dealing with. I remember I had about four friends. We were all expecting uh, at the same time, and so I had to watch each of them in the next five months give birth to their children as I was. My arms were empty. Um, and I knew it was hard for them too. I knew it was really hard. And I remember thinking, how am I going to handle their kids starting preschool, their kids going to high school, graduating, getting married? But you know, I there's a verse in the Old Testament that says, all of our days were ordained before mm-hmm. one of them came to be. And I have rested on that verse as meaning, this is how I interpret it. Maybe this is not what it means, but this is this has given me peace. I believe God is saying that he ordains our time on this earth in a way that is measured. And so for me, when I wrap my mind around the fact that God put Adrian in our life as a gift for six and a half weeks Mm -hmm. and then took her home and he gave Nick as a gift for 13 and a half years and then took him home, then it released me from what would it be? like now where would adrian be now what would nick be doing now all of his friends graduated from college this year and i'm not haunted by what would nick be doing now because god never planned for nick to be doing now and so that gives me peace to know he was ordained for 13 and a half years and and i was honored to be the one chosen 
to be with him in those in that time. Um, and so for me, when you said that about uh, people taking it for granted, nothing probably upsets me more than to see a family with a child in the store or somewhere where the mom seems unaware, exasperated, annoyed when I see the little kid's face and their eyes and sometimes I'll see Nick and I just want to say to him, you don't know how many days were ordained for this child. Hmm. Love them. This is a gift. Um, have I always been perfect since then as a mom? No, but I feel that my husband and I have been blessed with a whole different attitude about life. I'm not stressed like I used to be about our house being perfect or, um, getting everything done on a list. I, I feel like we really do try to make the most of every opportunity and have fun because we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you talked about a little bit about the support system mm-hmm. that you had around you. And I know that there were a lot of your church family mm-hmm. and, and even, you know, the community mm-hmm. that, that really stepped up, uh, re, you know, reached out to you guys and, and really helped you through the process. My question would be if, if you were to be able to sit down and tell me when someone else is going through something like this, something that you've gone through, what advice would you give to me as a friend, as a pastor, just as a community member? How can I best be there for someone who's mm-hmm. going through something similar? Mm-hmm. You know, I, of course, had a close circle of Mm -hmm. friends that I uh, spent time with. Um, I think there were probably a lot of people that would have wanted to be part of that part. But there was only so much, you know, of me that I could give. And I'm super thankful for that close group. And so I, I guess my first thing is if you're close to someone already, stay close to them. If you're not super close to them already, don't suddenly try to be. Because I did feel a little bit at times like there were some people who wanted suddenly to be close to me and I didn't, it was hard for me to understand their motive and, and so I, and I didn't have space in my heart or my mind to develop new close friendships. So if you're really close to someone, don't abandon them. If you're not really close to them, but you want to support them, it's those day to day things like meals, (laughs) um, laundry, um, a card just to let them know you're praying, um, maybe even a gift card to a restaurant, just something to take some of that reality mowing their yard. Mm -hmm. Um, we had people just do things that I wouldn't have thought of, but we needed to be done. One church, um, I believe it was Grace and Free Will Baptist. They did this toy drive and wrapped a toy for Nick for all 54 days or let's see I think it was about that many days of radiation treatments and so every single day Mm. after radiation he was able to open a little present and they were just little things like a a crossword puzzle book or a action figure but I couldn't have done that I didn't have even the thought of going to the store was awful and to wrap them and all of that, but but they just brought several huge trash bags full of wrapped gifts, and it was such a fun thing. I had another friend um, who 
actually it was our optometrist's wife, and she was uh, Nick's teacher at the time. But every Friday we got to come home for six weeks. We would come home for the weekend to be with all of our kids from Columbus. And every Friday she had fixed a little surprise basket. Like one time it was a new movie with cans of pop and popcorn. Um, it was like a movie night. One time it was a board game and snacks. But every week, she one time it was a badminton set. Just something for us to celebrate our whole family and do something just fun and normal. And we always looked forward to what it was going to be. Um, so I say be creative. Um, maybe find out from their closer friends what they're really mentioning that they need and um, go from there. Okay, great. Um, so I asked you at the beginning how you felt... To how you would describe to us your faith, your relationship with God before all of this started, mm-hmm. and you, you know, basically to sum it up into a very, very short statement—not necessarily plain Christianity, mm-hmm. but sur- somewhat surface level. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe it after? And now I'm going to cry. Okay. <laughs> um, I. I can't make it through. I can't make it through any part of my day without such a deep awareness. I mean, the sunrise, the sunset, uh, animals, the shape of a leaf as a heart. Um, I feel that I'm walking through this life in two different ways. I'm walking as a human, (laughs) but I'm walking as a soul. And um, I feel connected to heaven i feel that god's my friend and that every everything i do has a second and more significant purpose and it makes me sad when i see people so so caught up in this world that they can't remember that there's spiritual warfare that there's a bigger purpose a higher calling um and yet I know that I once was that person Mm. and I don't, I hate the thought that they would ever have to be taken on that kind of a road to see that. And so I hope people learn vicariously through others who've suffered. Um, And I sometimes wish that I could have somehow had my eyes open that much, but I, but I guess um, this is where, this is what it took to get me where I'm at. Um, and even though I would do life totally different, if God would have given me the power, I'm thankful. Yeah. I'm super thankful. Well, that's powerful. Um, okay, final question. Mm-hmm. What, and it can be just a very short summary <laughs> statement if you want it to be, or you can, you can preach a sermon <laughs> if you'd like. Um, what would be your advice, maybe, for lack of a better term, for someone who maybe... Not necessarily exactly what you went through, but but it has experienced or is experiencing in the process of experiencing traumatic loss. Mm-hmm. What would what would your advice or your counsel be to them? Goodness. Um, first of all, don't try to make it alone. Um, I think it's very tempting to pull away um, and just withdraw because it seems from the outside like everybody else is doing great when you're in that moment 
I remember church being one of the hardest places that I would go because everybody just seemed so happy. And I was so sad. I would drop the boys off for Sunday school and just come home and clean and listen to Christian music and because I didn't feel like anybody really understood yeah. how I was feeling. But the more I started reaching out to others who were struggling, the more I realized everybody's struggling. And so don't ever feel that there aren't people out there that can relate to you or help you. And also reach outside of yourself. I think the devil loves for us to focus on ourselves. Um, when I started thinking about other people's pain, mine became less. And now I, uh, I almost, not that I don't have time to think about my pain, but it's not pressing on me because there's so many other people's pain pressing on me. Hmm. Um, and so don't be afraid to reach out even when you're still hurting and see what you can do for someone else because you never know what God will do through them for you. Um, spend time in the word every day. Um, and ask God to show up. Ask him to show up in, in his scriptures, but also ask him to show up in life. Um, I don't always remember to, but I try every day to ask God to help my eyes be open to him, whatever it is. Um, it could just be a mud puddle that is shaped like a heart, and I just happen to step in it, and there he is. Um, but don't be afraid to ask God to show up. Um, and also, don't be afraid to question God. Be honest with God. Tell him if you're mad. Tell him if you're disappointed. Tell him um, that you don't understand. I, one verse that my husband and I both love, um, there was a time when Jesus' teaching was getting really hard. Mm -hmm. And people were starting to fall away. Mm -hmm. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter, I love this, he was so honest. But he looked at Jesus and he said, where else would I go? Yeah. And Tim and I sort of feel like that. I mean, what other option would we have? I've read a lot about other religions. And um, I I don't know where else I would go except for the cross and mm -hmm. the resurrection and the power over death and the hope of eternal life. And if we get there and it was all made up, it's gotten me through this life. <laughs> right, right. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Right. Um, and so to know that someone conquered death means my children are alive. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm going to see him again. And I think hope, we have hope as an anchor. Mm -hmm. And hope is my anchor for every storm. And I know it will be in yeah. every storm that comes. I had someone tell me one time that whenever facing, because you, know, you and I have talked before, the mountain in front of a person mm -hmm is the biggest mountain that they're facing. Yes. Regardless if it's big to someone else or not. Yes. Or if it's big in you know, retrospect, mm -hmm. because looking back, our, the things we go through typically don't seem as large as what they right. did. But when you're facing it, they're when you're huge. standing at the, at the foot of it, yeah, it's huge. it's huge. I had someone tell me one time that whenever you're facing something like that, whenever you're going through loss, trauma, trial, mm -hmm. anything, find your voice in the book of Psalms. Mm-hmm read Psalm, mm -hmm. read it again, mm -hmm. read it again until you find your voice yes. just from the standpoint of it's okay to question God. Yes. And what we see is the man after God's own heart, question him all the time, all the time and just laying bare and laying yes. open his heart for God. Yes. 
uh, and, and that's that's worked. There's been times that I've I've actually had to go through it two or three times, yeah. but you inevitably will find your voice in the book of Psalms. That's good. Yeah. You know, when you mentioned about a mountain, the verse that said where Jesus says, you know, if you have enough faith, you can move a mountain. Mm-hmm. That that verse bothers me. Um, um, because I I feel like I had enough faith for Nick to be healed. Um, but it it wasn't that long ago. Um, I I don't know if it was you or Scott that preached on that passage, but I I was processing it after I got home, and I was thinking about the fact that in life we have valleys and we have mountains. We're either in a valley mm-hmm. or we're having a mountaintop experience or we're somewhere in between. But I was thinking, what if moving the mountain meant we also moved the valley? Because when there's no mountain, there's no valley. And I thought. For me, I think I've God moved the mountain, hmm. and so I'm not I'm not in the valley all the time. If that makes sense, right. I just I love that thought. Um, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Okay, great. So before we wrap this up, is there anything else that you would like to add? Something on your heart that you'd like to share? Mm-hmm. I think that what I would want people to know, especially people that are new to loss, is there's no way to rush the grief Mm, process. And there's no way to take it away. You can have amazing faith. You can have the best support system, the most amazing church, the most amazing community. You can memorize the Bible from the beginning to the end. But when someone is taken away from you forever, there's nothing that's going to make that okay. And it's never going to go away. The pain is never going to go away, but time will soften the pain. Um, but give yourself permission to take as long as that takes. People will try to rush your grief because grief scares people. But if you need two years, if you need eight years, if you need the rest of your life to process it, it's your life. Right. Don't let anybody else tell you how or when to grieve. Yeah. Uh, what is your, your blog address? My your... blog address is my name. It's just www.tammynishan.com. Um, my Heart, His Words is the name of my blog, but you mm-hmm. actually get to it through my name. Um, I'm Tammy Nishan on Instagram and Facebook. On Twitter, I'm at I Love Pennies. Yes. Um, because I do love pennies, and that's sort of been a thing with Nick since he passed away that I uh, I and many, many other people have found pennies at the most appropriate and needy, needed times. Um, but, yes, I, I would love to hear from people. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Once again, Tammy, thank you so much for being willing to come and share. Thank um, you. And I know that this this will not return void, that there are ears that will hear this that will benefit for years to come. One more thing that I just uh, thought of, um, I had mentioned that I uh, wrote through my time when Nick was sick. Well, I continued writing after Nick passed away, and my husband and I ended up taking a good portion of that first two years of my grief writing, and um, I put it into a book with journal space mm-hmm. after each devotion, um, and basically it is a, it's a devotional for people that have a broken heart. Mm. Um, it's called Facing Dawn, a morning devotional for the brokenhearted. And it's available on Amazon. Um, 
basically it's devotions with little questions afterwards and space for you to really think about your grief or your pain and I have been told that it's helped some people to be able to just have a place where they could write so um, if that's something that they think might help someone that's grieving it's out there on Amazon great okay we will we'll put that link in the show Mm -hmm. notes as well again you can get to these show notes that we've talked about through this episode at beyondthewallspodcast.com if you have any questions uh, any comments regarding this episode you can reach us at beyondthewallspodcast at gmail.com if you would like to contact Tammy directly she has given you the her website address that will also be linked there i know that she would love to hear from you Mm -hmm. again tammy thank you once again thank you love you thank you love you thanks so much we hope you've enjoyed listening to beyond the walls podcast with your host ben james if you would like to know more give feedback you can email us at beyond the walls podcast at gmail.com you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter check back soon for more beyond the walls podcast